Welcome to episode seven of the DeSoto Talk Show featuring Chris Marsh. Mike's currently away. And today's guest, Rod Slasher Breslau. Remember, guys, this podcast is brought to you by Rebel.gg. You can go and bet on CSGO, Overwatch, League of Legends. Check out our website below and this podcast for the, for the link. Uh, to, and you can also bet on the esports while you're watching at the same time. How cool is that? Now, Rod uh, Slasher Breslau, he's been in the scene for a number of years. He's taken up a lot of editorial positions, head of editor. Uh, well, editor-in-chief, uh, consultant. He's now positioned himself, I believe, as the number one uh, esports consultant uh, in, the spa- in the space. Is that a, a fair way of unpacking your, your career to date, Slasher? <laughs> <laughs> You're on mute, mate. <laughs> I, am, <laughs> Go for it. I am the greatest esports consultant in the world. Uh, also, <laughs> me muting myself is the perfect way to intro me to any show. And... <laughs> No one can match me and how well that I tell other people how esports works. There's been a, there's a lot of people that could do it nowadays, uh, especially in the last few years. There's been a huge influx of some people who, from from the outside of esports, coming in, figuring out esports, then using their deep understanding and knowledge to tell other people how esports works and makes all that sweet sweet money. So I decided it is my time for the number one esports consultant to make his move. You, and, you and, and so in that case, are you also policing the people who are, who are claiming to be something they're not as you position yourself in a market like that? Um, you know, some of my fellow esports consultants have not been so pleased uh, with, <laughs> with these, these new school people. I'm more of a loving type of guy. I mean, I've, as you guys know, and you can probably see through my tweets, I'm, I'm all about spreading positivity around everywhere so you know i I won't hate as much on on these new guys coming in i understand they don't know anything uh but but you know what it's okay it's okay there everyone likes esports now it's a big deal you got people from every different type of industry trying to get in because esports is it's really cool um and i respect that because that's we all like people it's not like their fault they didn't find out what this was until they were 40 years old um, in their executive <laughs> position at, at an accounting firm. Hey, like, like, I get it. Like, you didn't know. It was me, the guy who played video games at 12 years old. That understood. This is really cool. I can't fault you for it. Well, I was watching a video earlier um, from 2011 where you were saying, you, you pretty much look the same, except for you slightly better groom now. I've got slightly less hair. Um, but you were saying that at that time, you were, eSports was finally getting big. There's a bit of money in it, and you were riding the gravy train. Is, it, is your role as eSports consultant the, the ultimate, the peak of riding the gravy train? Have you become the driver of the, dra- the gravy train since then? <laughs> yes, just driving down. Everyone is on board. Got everyone in the mid and the back. Uh, all of the uh crypto is at the very end of the train it's like wiggling uh in and off it's, it's i think it's just gonna fly right off the rails but i'll take all the money um <laughs> uh on the real okay just really quickly it is all a joke um not sure if i've made this aware or not uh but it's but it's been really it has been really good I, I go to panels and i go to conferences i wear a name i make sure that they give me name tags because there was tons of esports like uh events in new york city and around the country um i make everyone give me the number one esports consultant name tag because that's also a really big deal now and i make sure they spell the word esports every single different way possible other than the way you should when you go and i've been really pleased about that 
you know, you, you said you said it was, a, it was a joke. We gathered, but there is obviously okay. something in this, right? The reality is that is esports at a stage where if you say you are something enough to people, they're going to believe it. Yeah, I mean, probably. It, it's worked so far. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, like, because I always go to the, especially these industry events, and you meet a lot of new people coming from the outside different worlds, whether it's sports or tech or whatever, and they want to invest in esports, and they don't know, like, a lot, like, ever, like, a lot, even like a few people in esports. Um, of course, I run into people that, like, realize who I am, and yeah. that, and that I, that I can't do that with, uh, of course, but, uh, yeah, um, it has been kind of fun to do it that way. It's an Especially as I have nothing else to do, you know? It's been, it's been a little while. Get to mess around. Have you run into anyone at these events that are genuine cowboys that are kind of trying to do the same thing as you, trying to be the number one esports consultant, but that do know genuinely nothing? I have run into one guy who was from, who did like some game and tech and mainly crypto like analyst research that does consulting and it was like and i wanted to find out more info from him as soon as i found out that he was consulting i as the new guy you know wanted to be told and he told me absolutely nothing no he did not it was not helpful at all but, you know it was okay i've gotten i've gotten used to it it's all well, good, isn't it? It's all good, isn't it? When when you know you're you're speaking amongst the crowd, sometimes that they're a little bit more naive to esports and whatnot, and it's telling, obviously, in the way that they react to it. They're often, you know, they listen a lot, but when it's amongst people that you're, you know, uh, your peers, and they know a lot about esports, and they have the credibility and the experience to back it up, you can't just go around bullshitting. And it sounds like this guy has unfortunately stumbled upon someone who is probably one of the most active people on social media in esports. So awkward position for the poor guy to be in and I, I see this happening a lot in other areas too yeah i mean well esports is so big now it includes like 20 games over a dozen different leagues and developers and publishers putting their resources into it and now you have sports esports which are getting really big so you have people from everywhere who coordinate the word esports with any of the above which it is technically but they even don't understand the difference between like competitive gaming and esports so esports is now a lot of things and it's also can you know concluded with with competitive gaming and uh that's that messes people up and they can't really be specific about what they want to talk about okay well You've you've obviously got years and years of experience in the industry now. You, I believe you came up through Quake, you played Warcraft, played Starcraft. We wanted to know when you were, when you were coming up with these games, what we are uh, coming up even with them. Uh, what were your fondest memories of your time in those scenes? Um, I have like I could pick like a, like a few out. Like one, Warcraft Two was my first like real online PvP competitive experience. I was playing against like a real life friend back when I was like. 10 11 years old and i've always loved playing video games before that but they were mostly local and like one to two player because i had like the snes and, and whatnot but that was my first time i ever got to experience you know that type of gameplay playing against another person online and i seriously was hooked from that moment ever since then and i'm now 32 so it's like 20 years i have loved this industry and that was because they got to like have that feeling of playing against a person and not an ai which is what video games had been all about and i always thought it was special and it, you know 
right? as we can see, it is like a very special experience. So that, that was first, that was one. Uh, on StarCraft, I got to play in my first clan. Uh, it was called Mac, and it was an all, all Macintosh Apple user clan. And I, I, play, I gamed on a Mac back in the day. And you could only get in this clan if you had a Mac as well. Um, was it, nobody was sticking like an Apple sticker on a normal laptop then? We, we, we made everyone prove it. <laughs> uh, I forget, you know, you could do certain Apple characteristics and get get the computer ID and we made sure everyone had a Mac. You, you uh, we, did your due diligence. Yes. Uh, we were pretty, pretty, we were okay. I got like okay in StarCraft and um, like that, that was really fun being like a first clan. And, oh, and also a Warren on Battle.net. You could take over channels. So it was much like old school IRC when the server would split and you could get up in the channel so people would do that on battle.net and that was like half the fun of the original battle.net it's actually still better than battle.net 2.0 um and then probably from quake it was <laughs> my first time really being a top competitive player and like being like going like esports of course i played quake 2 and i didn't play quake 3 so i didn't play like the pro game i decided to play every, i was actually the most hated of the three everyone loved quake world and they hated quake 2 uh, or they went from directly from Quake 2 to Quake 3 because Quake 3 is the pinnacle of the Quake games. But no, I decided to stick with Quake 2 just like a player liked to hang um, because I thought it was really good. So I played Quake 2 competitively um, for like 9, 10 years, and I was actually the first American team on clan base ever. I started the first American team to play on clan base because our scene was dead. So that was my first time interacting with Europeans, which was great to do because then I got to talk to and scream with the, the Brits and the Germans and the French and the Swedes and the regions and the Finns and the Polish and the Russians and all these, and all these players. Um, at like for me, I was like, you know, 15, 16. And I got to like experience this early on. Also total side note, I got to find out really quickly, uh, generally which people I hated and liked the most. Like the, like the Swedes, awesome. The Poles, awesome. All the Nordic teams were great because they had the highest ping from U.S. to Europe because, you know, because they're further east. Um, but they were even willing to play on American servers and play, like, do, like we'll, play, we'll play two on Europe and then two on America. And even during matches, they were the only teams to do that. Every single other Western con European country of players refused to play two server, including, and most especially, the English, the Germans, um, and the Dutch. And they complained the most, the hardest, talk shit the most to me, whine the most to that ping even though the the brits spent you guys especially got on my nerves all the time you had 90 ping and would still complain all the time about not wanting to do two server and how it's not fair for you so i got an early taste of what i i would expect to come from nowadays esports and it totally turned out to be true you fucking useless ass gamers um <laughs> talk a lot of shit uh, sorry, sorry for this, this, this side rant. But the rants, rants go. We got to learn about your your esports street cred, cred with uh, clan base. I mean, that's that's a name you don't really hear much these days anymore, isn't it? But I mean, I, I personally, um, as like a, you know, mostly a journalist and like a writer, take pride in that I'm fucking good at video games. Yes, I was really good at Quake, and we came second in that league. I we beat European teams the entire season and the playoffs. We played with we played with 130 ping, and 
you know, I didn't wasn't in a pro game, pro esport player, but I played tournaments. I played. You want money, right? You want you want money as well sometimes, right? No, no, no. There's no money in Quick Two. And <laughs> Clan Base had no money. Clan Base only had money for Euro Cup, and Euro yeah. Cup was only Quick Three, like Duel and uh, yeah. and Counter Strike 1.6 back then. Um, so so let's just look at some, you know, throughout your career and whatnot. But there, it's fair to say that there have been let's just call them some potholes and whatnot. And before we, we even, you know, focus the spotlight on some of those, you've, you've pivoted sometimes throughout your career. And you're always very vocal on, on, on Twitter. Your story is one that often is quite easy to follow because you share your story, you know, publicly as you go along and you talk about it. Perhaps I imagine this is part and part of your, your, your journalistic instincts, you know, in the, in, in, with respect to the transparency of what you do. But in this time, you, we've seen you pivot a couple of times. You know, you've been the head editor of, of ESPN Esports. You've done the score Esports and whatnot. Now you're operating as a freelance consultant how much have you changed and how much has certain people changed you from the start all the way back when you're out there playing quake 2 quake 3 up to this point now and therefore the position that you've chosen to operate in within esports at its current stage uh well i will say there are you know some circumstances including things in my personal life which have affected some of like my recent time, especially you, in the last can you year. Unpack, can you unpack some of those examples and whatnot? What's happened in your personal life? Um, I'd rather not as <laughs> much. I mean, I, they were not a positive uh, experience. It has been, you know, quite difficult. So it they definitely did affect um, my situations at ESPN and the score. And, at least. and do you think people would have looked more fairly upon you, do you think, compared to how they did, had they known the ins and outs of some of these, some of these events? You know, at, this, at the very same time that was happening, I was, ha I was having a personal, pretty public feud with Thorne and Richard at the yeah. time. And, you know, <laughs> there's no more too prolific other industry personalities in the entirety of esports. So while I was doing the 1v2 battle, which no one else in no one else knows no one you no no one else could actually know what this is which was not which is fine for me because it's what it's, it's whatever it's just it's just industry stuff even though i get worked up over it i was also having you know <laughs> more real things going on which to me impacted me more it's not an excuse of of why i you know um let it impact me as much and was not able to handle my shit to be yeah. able to work at at a full capacity but yeah, compounded it all right uh yeah um <laughs> i it, it it didn't it wasn't helping but i didn't i didn't i chose not to talk about it of the, the, the personal issues and even now i kind of don't really want to so it, i i mean i understand that if i'm not going to mention it um, and I don't also expect anyone to, even if I do mention it, be like, okay. I mean, there are some people that could understand where I'm coming from, um, and what's happening and they'll be all right with it. Or maybe some people are just like, no, that's still not a good excuse. And I, I could find that a fair, fair yeah. thing. It's not up to them to decide. Uh, I mean, it's not up to me to decide how they take but my... But and, but during during I mean you know you mentioned Foreign and, and Richard specifically we we just did a, a episode with Foreign the other day and you know obviously with with people like you with people like Richard with people like Foreign I think it's important to ask how you uh you how you react professionally and personally to a lot of the stuff that happens on Twitter 
And obviously we've, you know, it, it's obvious from all of you that, you know, you're, you're very, you know, you're public about it. You're not afraid to speak. But so therefore, my point is that it kind of go, goes against your grain to not announce some of these things at the time, because otherwise, especially amongst a feud, I, I can't help but think that, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but Richard Lewis, Foreign, may have been a little bit more compassionate with regards to your position. Obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of it as much as only you three ever will, to that extent. But I can imagine the whole dynamic being a little bit different. And maybe you would have obviously operated differently in terms of how you approach the situation, you know, had these things been more, you know, to light, so to speak. Um, this is true. Uh, it's very possible that 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 could have happened. I also, you know, definitely probably could have mentioned these things even in in private back then, and to try to. Can you just explain to our viewers? Can you just can you just briefly explain to our viewers what 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 the whole thing is in summary with Richard Lewis? The origin. Yeah. What happened? Oh, the origin of like all of that. (laughs) Well, they are they are like two different. (laughs) reasonings compacted into one which one for a long time which but by the way i will say me and richard have talked in the last month and we're good we're, we're, yeah we're on okay we're we're, we're on okay yeah. terms i i, I, I saw him make a joke about because you've recently been clipped by a car i believe in new york but whereas you and foreign still seems very much coming at blows how, how is the recovery from the uh the knock coming my foot's still fucked up <laughs> <laughs> it's fucked up right now yeah goddamn but, over so, but yeah. So, what 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 are the origins of the original the feud? And you know, to get to this point now, where years on, you and foreign, especially, are still kind of at loggerheads. Um. Oh, the very <laughs> origin. You know what? I was actually talking to Richard the other day because, you know, there were so many different instances where I I got upset at one of the two things that they would say i mean part of it is just you know we're all working the industry so we all have opinions on like the industry and different aspects of it and having difference of opinion everyone has different opinion that that's fine that should never be i mean depending depending on what it is and and of course we probably talk about this in context a little later you, you you get passionate about what you're talking about um the things that i was more like i got more worked up over were like things that directly involved me or my work or my place of work Especially considering we only there was only we only all worked at a few different places in esports. It's not like it's a huge uh, ecosystem. Um, but as I was talking to Richard, I was like, "Yeah, there are a lot of things I don't actually entirely remember what it all started <laughs> with." I mean, okay, part of me and Thorin, uh, our breakdown was uh, on gamers and what happened at the end when we got banned for Reddit, which was. Also, a very long, complex situation um, where we definitely got screwed. We definitely got freaking totally screwed there. I did mess up at the end, but it was it was an insane process to where that happened. Um, and that caused the site to go down. And then, although the team was still on there after doing work, the being banned from reddit was um pretty significant in terms of the traffic yeah uh go going down so you know people's jobs did become in in jeopardy over there and you know i it, it didn't help anything in terms of how the site was going to be operated now that was still kind of separate from what happened with thorin and poland and the whole esl 
uh, incident. It is it is totally separate. But yeah. we all were at the same like, and then two people were were down, and then the site who who had friends there, you know, because we're all friends at the site. They're all their jobs definitely did not look good mm. at that stage, and then obviously later <laughs> on the site died, and, and people you know people had to find different places to to work. So I you know when all that happened w- with Reddit. Um, you know, I, I, they all knew this, this, this situation. I'll give a quick like TLDR. Like, we got banned the first time, and it, it was not my fault that we got banned the very first time. Um, and I had to be the one to go fix it and to get us unbanned. And I had to go down to Reddit's New York City offices and talk to the general manager, who I knew for a very long time, and explain to him why esports is different on Reddit and like how how we got banned. And he confirmed that, that like I didn't get us banned, but something happened in San Francisco, which is where CBS headquarters was, and that got us banned. But because you and Thorne and Travis and Matt all are like using Reddit so well. Like they admitted that we were not breaking the nine to run rule, but he yes. did point to um, two accounts in particular that were pretty bad, which were Travis and Matt. Me and Thorin actually had the best ratios of any of the one of this freaking rule rule back then. So they weren't happy with what we were doing in general, how we were using Reddit. But so I, I didn't for, I didn't get us banned the first time. I got us unbanned. So to get us unbanned, we had to agree. To all these rules that stated that we could never submit again we could never submit again and we can never use comments again ever on the website so everyone else could we were the only website that had that could, that could do this and none of our personal accounts could do this only if we only if we get unbanned yeah it's the only right. way that, that, that we could do it so uh i did get us unbanned and I, I i agreed to do this and this is where i screwed up later where I, I asked. I did ask someone to post something, and that was my fault. And I, then I caused us to get revamped. So that was my fault. Um, but you know, the entire process of like they understood that it wasn't like I. It, not the whole thing was on me, but they they were kind of like upset with me. I tried to make good with people that were that were there because I brought all. I was the first person to do esports as CBS Interactive and to build the game spot yeah. on gamers brand and then everyone came toward you know came to the site after and i recruited a lot of people and you know one of those people was thorin and i brought him on because we were i've known him for a very long time yeah we've had a contagious relationship for a while but we were cordial then we talked about about stuff we still disagreed all the time uh but you know he came to work with me uh, enough at, at that end so when people lost their jobs i really was sorry you know for that happening and i told people that you know i apologize for what happened i tried to fall on the sword with my letter when all when we did get banned because they cbs was going to fire me um so i tried to try to make sure they didn't ban the website but they ended up doing it anyway so i i think i thought that to me that i came okay out with all the other employees from the site that went to go work for other companies like Mm -hmm. adam contini went to go to twitch and and Kim Rom went to go somewhere else. Um, not that I have a great relationship with Kim Rom, but uh, I mean, and then there are a few other people where I thought that you know we we understood that it was unfortunate, unfortunate situation, and I did you know I was the causes 
of much of it, but that I, I made amends. And that Thorne at the time was okay with that, but of course the site died yeah. and that like hurt our relationship because the site died. And then at the same time this was happening, me and Richard also have gone like back and forth like a ton of different times about a lot of issues. Like for me, and I guess this, this is what I told him, I don't know if I could actually remember the those specific, the first instance. It was just that I got pissed off he would talk shit about me um in in general it was either like he would talk shit about me on twitter or show and i thought it was totally absurd or unbelievable based on whatever situation was happening there is no way this is the goddamn correct take this is fucking impossible uh for for, for the very beginning stuff i don't even remember, remember what it is so me and richard have always gone back and forth about like all types of things on all all issues this is like i don't know like five um years ago there was a portion where he was going to join on gamers and 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 the team and i vetoed no um thorn also did veto no at the time i think for more other other reasons because of like the volatility that richard was going through at that time this is i think a 2011 uh, yeah. in 2010. It, it was not good to bring him on. I didn't want to do it because a lot of that volatility was towards me. Oh, and Travis. I also worked with Travis at the time, who also didn't have a great relationship with Richard, and that Richard would go into online battles with Travis all the time. And then me and Travis, like, are still like, oh, you know, pretty, you know, we know each other pretty well. Yeah. Um, and that, that didn't help. Uh, so then all these things are happening, like, at the same time, and while I joined the score. Uh, I had also like taken time off online from. I took time off online from the period between like the end of uh, like on gamers to joining the score, and then and then after ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, so d- during that time, yeah, I did talk to some people. I talked to Thor and like a, like a little bit. Uh, but I guess like it was kind of like announcement. I did kind of want to make a secret that I was, you know, coming back and doing something with the score. And so it it, it was that. Um, but then that also made things contagious with with Richard. I remember remember at the time this was when things escalated a, a little bit. Uh, and you know, he he had some thoughts about the score, um, taking money from ESL and DreamHack. Yeah. Um, no, actually, no, actually, the, the score paid. ESL and DreamHack to be the main sponsor uh, and then Beyond yeah, the Summit uh, of, of the events. That's why you heard like there's like a, a machine meme about uh, all that stuff. And he was saying that was influencing the coverage. I got really pissed off at that because no, there's no way that I would let anyone influence my coverage or really anyone on the site for sponsor money. And it was strictly for the app. Um, of course, I can understand why he was saying that because in an editorial company that is a sponsor of of an event um you know are they being biased but he was accusing us of being biased and i got really pissed off and that like that like made me um mad and then so some of like life stuff started to happen around there and i wasn't as good at working and like doing my job um during like the middle of the end of the score and then like ESPN was only like three months, but like at the at, at the middle to the end, it was it was not it was not productive. So 
Like that was happening. Happening. Uh, also, I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting stuff because it was hard. But once I joined the score and ESPN, I was not allowed to reply to either of them publicly. Right. right. I could no longer ever do it. I could never respond. I could never that, make. And that, that was a stipulation of your of your contract or something yes. like that. Yes. Right. Um, and it was, this is was just me. I mean, other people too, but this is pretty much just me. Yeah. Uh, that, that I could not respond. So there was a good like year and a half where I was never allowed to respond to anything that they were, they were saying. Um, is that both public and private as well? Yes. Well, I didn't want to talk to them yeah. privately. Yeah. At yeah, that yeah. Point. yeah. Anyway, uh, which of course actually caused it to get worse. Yeah. I, I will yeah. say in, in hindsight. Um, so all of this is totally happening. And then they, they did like a show, uh, I think it was a counterpoint or something. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and they just like went ham on me. And then this is when it like <laughs> all started. And Thorin was, this is when the first time that, although I knew Richard and me had like a, like a problem and we were, we weren't quite happy with, with each other. This is when I saw that Thorne was also quite upset at me for what happened at Odd Gamers and like blaming me for people losing their jobs and and all this. And and it really frustrated me because I had went and tried to speak to everyone over there because I helped build the whole website to begin with. And no, I didn't want any of that to happen to people. Um, and I also thought it was kind of ironic considering he also got fired for saying stupid shit at the same website so i so like I, I, so this this all happened and i thought the Th when me and thorwin were okay at that time but i realized that it wasn't going you know great and this is and that's when it kind of all first yeah manifested and, and began in terms of a larger um a larger dude thing. and whatnot right uh, uh, do you think um now looking back that the whole situation with reddit created too much pressure to deliver those views from Reddit that almost forced you into a position where you felt like you had to reach out. I mean, we, we can relate to this somewhat, um, having actually been banned from the Call of Duty subreddit Reddit ourselves, and we can no longer post any of our own content either. Well, okay. I will say it's funny. After the first time that we got banned, um, we actually got more traffic. Uh, for the first time we got banned, only our accounts were banned. Yeah. So right. the, the the domain wasn't banned, but me, Thorin, Travis's, and Matt's accounts were were all banned, and those are things that I had gotten um, unbanned. Uh, even with the restrictions that they gave us to to put on the, that we couldn't post anymore, we got more traffic from Reddit that following month because our content was still so good. It was like Thorin writing articles, me me breaking news, and Travis uh, like breaking stuff from the NALCS. So technically, because all of that happened. That was actually, it was actually a force for good. I'm going to say that our ban was a force for good. They no longer have the nine to one ratio rule on the Reddit. And I believe that people understood that if we are not submitting our content, people have to submit it yeah. for us and right. that they should get used to submitting our content so that we don't have to. And that's helped the Reddit ecosystem, even though it's actually gone back to shit kind of in some subreddits that don't understand any, any of this context uh, that have happened before. Um, so okay necessarily it was okay the following at uh, the following month after the ban and uh, because people understood if they submitted the content that it would uh that it would do well now saying that it's not it wasn't 
I mean, still today, I think a lot of esports traffic is from Reddit. The main hubs for every single game in competitive gaming is the subreddit. That's the main forum that you go to. There might even be a second subreddit, like Overwatch, who has two, um, that is the second biggest forum for the game. Every yeah. other independent website, like yours, and like many others, is not the main thing that most people go to. You know, I mean, Call it depends. Actually- for Call of Duty, we are, I would say. You, you yes. all have to look at their numbers. We, we are. I mean, it's just, it's interesting here you say unique. this. Call of Duty is unique. It is. You're right. And it's interesting because there's almost, you can fall into a trap. As in, you know, you've, you've run as editor for a, a number of publications. The temptation initially when we started off and, and, you know, almost we thought that it was, the end goal was to get stuff onto Reddit. Similar to your experience, the moment that we, you know, we were banned off Reddit, slightly different terms now, but really irrelevant. We were banned off Reddit. And, obviously our motivation changed for the better. And as a publication, we grew in other areas to allow us obviously to sustain our, to sustain our company and to sustain, to sustain uh, Deserto. And it's just curious to see, obviously, Reddit, it, it, it being the hub for so many people to, to, to exchange you know, opinions and whatnot, and by extension being a large place, the, the best place to source a lot of your views. It seems to me that you know, it, it's, it's almost better to not have to put too much emphasis on, on the need to get onto Reddit. Um, because otherwise, as you've experienced yourselves, there are risks uh, of getting banned and all of a sudden in the same way that the Facebook algorithm changes and entire companies are brought down, you get banned off Reddit. If your whole traffic has been sourced from there for too long, it can collapse your company in just a matter of weeks. Um, I feel like it's more people and especially journalists and, and content creators have to realize what content do they want to make will directly influence what gets onto Reddit anyway. So like, I, I think like it's more thinking of now that you're not directly posting on Reddit, even though uh, be, those rules did get relaxed. There is no more nine-to-one rule Reddit-wide, and yeah. you are, are allowed to post your content actually more on Reddit. So thankfully, some good stuff happened, and it is a little bit easier for content creators to do this but i feel like it's still deciding what content you want to post so in my recent months for example i've decided let's just go back into breaking every single overwatch roster move because why not it'll be fun (laughs) it'll be let's do let's just do some journalisms and i've been my twitters and all the espn articles have all been on reddit like 70 to 80 times yeah um so if you want to do breaking news you will automatically get on reddit and if you want to do that type of content, you will know that Reddit is directly part of the thing that you're doing. I think that Unicorn also is like a big, uh, yeah. a big part of that. Like there are a lot of websites, and we we did this too. That you get an embargo for an official announcement, whether it's for a league or a game, um, and that you can post it at a certain time. And then if you also post it on to social at the for, at first, you will then get. This, you will win the social yeah. war. Um, so, okay, what you're saying is totally true. You don't want to have to rely on Reddit. Uh, but it's like, okay, you're, you're creating content that uh, you, you want to create You want to create anyway. So if you want to create long-form articles, if you want to create uh, vlogs, or if you want to create like longer-form YouTube videos, more than likely they're not getting onto Reddit. Yeah, there are some special YouTubers that always get their stuff posted all the time because people love they love their content. And there's a few writers that could get their long form content posted because everyone likes to read 
uh, what they're writing. But in general, as we all know, Reddit trends, people like images, people like breaking news, um, yeah. and, and people like, you know, hot topics. Like if you, if you do your thing on a hot topic of the day of whatever or real issue is going on, then you have a better chance of getting to Reddit. So if you want to create your content in terms of that, it'll, it'll get on Reddit anyway. Now, I don't, yeah, absolutely. I don't want to go too much of a tangent there because I want to revisit this, you know, your feud between with Richard and Foreign and perhaps a growing mending that, you know, as, you, as it appears you're doing so far. But it, it, it's lasted so long and you said it yourself that some of the original motivations, you don't even remember them anymore. So why do you think that, and do you think that either of them or at the very least Foreign still has a motivation to be out for you? Or, and, you know, this- and, and, and to add to that, would, it, you know, if you could, would you, fix it today would it be worth it in any well, way i mean i also you know did some things i am not proud of that that definitely put fuel on the, this fire um <laughs> and that and that caused them to have such a strong uh, was that, was that on social media or was that behind the scenes that was behind the scenes yeah okay. um yeah. Uh, so you know I, I am not saying that i did not step over the line and do things that, that, that i shouldn't have um, and I've told Richard this uh, as well. And I can admit that was definitely um, something that they you know that, that I crossed the line with and that I shouldn't have done. And, you know, I understand what were some of their, you know, anger is coming from. Um, a lot of it was way before any of that like, ever happened. And a lot of like my, like anger and discussions over them are over like esports issues that like we just totally disagree with. We cannot uh, disagree with more than than i ever could and we are like polarizing like people uh, even though we're the kind of like some of the most knowledgeable we have completely different ideals of how we want this to go and we all are all very passionate about esports so some of that is like it, it is tied into how um how they they view all of this i think me and, me and richard are actually at an okay state but me and thorin are obviously not there uh, at all and part of it as you see from his like comments is that like he wants to keep my just destructive way of the esports ecosystem which is hilarious uh so to speak so yeah you know he kind of sees it the a higher <laughs> also as i've noted quite ironic coming from him um so i think me and richard are actually you know okay now but I, I, I get, one of the things I wanted to, to make with him, and I think that we kind of have, is that we've still disagreed and argued about stuff since then, but it hasn't gone further. And that was always a thing that I think, that I think bothered me, um, like back in the day, is that we would argue really hard about esports issues, and then we would go kind of like more personal. Yeah. yeah. Per personal it devolved basically into something yeah. that it shouldn't have been and that was the thing that had always bothered me i think even really honestly if i think about it more like back in the day that was how <laughs> what always kind of got me more upset is when it kind of went personal or yeah. i felt like it was went to totally unrelated uh yeah things about the actual issue um that we're talking about so since then i've been richard still argued over stuff including like say to kiss and and ninja and like you know the n-word and like you know you know that few different yeah. like political topics it was okay because we didn't it, it didn't turn into like a, a bigger feud we could, we could still totally disagree on things and be cordial 
um, for for me, like cordial enough for me. And obviously, like, no, that's not possible, Thorne, still. It's the same yeah. problem that I have where it's just not possible. Would it be inaccurate for, for me to say, or to think, or anyone to think, that there is any form of power struggle between you three or anyone else in which it would be advantageous to be coming out on top of this feud and whatnot? Is it just become something petty and trivial? Or is there something behind the scenes that you guys are having a lot of crossover with and that is creating conflicts? Or brewing the conflict that already exists. Well, Thorne blocked me ever since I criticized him something for him publicly on Skype like three, four years ago. So I can't, I haven't been able to talk to him. Richard yeah. has actually always been the one to be more open with me about talking, even when I was the one that didn't want to talk to him and that I was the one more pissed off at him back in the day. He he actually would would still reach out. So Richard admittedly has been the one to reach out more and to be able to talk. Thorin has, in response to any criticism, now blocked me on both Skype and on now uh, on Twitter. Um, and mending that has actually been, because I've known Thorin longer, and I'm the one that's been like more friendly with him, and I, I've known him more part of my life than I have Richard, just because Thorin was in the quake and, and CS 1.6, and Richard came more from Source, and and, and, and those times mm -hmm. um but like you know I, i've gone out of yeah like i've gone out of my way a little to try to to do it more like thorin was here for the the new york esl new york event and i did go up to him to to try to talk and he would just turn around and leave and so yeah i would talk shit as he walked away like down the hallway <laughs> like what the fuck you're not gonna talk to me you're not yeah. you're really you're not gonna do this i mean it was is it does that not risk basically further escalating it and you know essentially goes against what you're trying to do which is solve the situation because it, i guess it does that does that not come back to the start and the original problem which is as soon as it gets it starts to get a bit personal and it starts to mount up again what can you do if he's resisting uh, though, right this is this is very true and he has every right to walk away and not want to talk but i have been the one to try to reach out on on different um ways but i'm the one that that's blocked so and I feel like I have been as the one who has never been allowed to respond like to any of the things that they've said on multiple talk shows and like a, millions of tweets or whatever it is. Yeah. That I have to be the one that's more, more what, taking the high road in the situation. So yeah, when I saw him in New York and he like wouldn't chat, I was kind of like, yo, for real? <laughs> I, I was. Well, is, is that right to think? Okay, maybe, maybe not. But <laughs> for me... If Forum is listening to this, is there anything you'd want to say to him specifically? Um, <laughs> I mean... This could be the start of building bridges. <laughs> uh, I, considering what just happened, you really are thinking this? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Who knows? Uh, <laughs> that's true. Also, you would have to assume he'd be watching it through 40 minutes of me talking random bullshit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know what? I, I, I'm still willing to talk. Um, I, of course, we've disagreed very, very recently about stuff. I don't take back anything that I, that I have said there. I don't think that you do either, but I am still more than willing to talk about all the shit that I disagree with you in private and instead of having to do it, which we now can't do yeah. anymore in public. I, by the way, I was having a, a, some good fun. 
Yeah. Because uh, this has been my first ever time to really respond or to do anything in, in quite a while. Yeah. And I had I had some a little bit of fun. <laughs> it's <laughs> like a throwback. So anyway, interesting interesting to hear your your take on, on the whole thing. I think you know, to everyone, even though it's all between three people, it's a recurring theme, a recurring storyline, you know, through time and it's lasted for you know, almost half a, de- a decade, perhaps more, well, more than half a decade and whatnot. But, you know, let, let's move on, you know, looking at some of the more, you know, current events and whatnot that's been happening in esports. I'm sure you've been aware of the whole Bully Hunters event. And it'd be just good to know in brief, you know, what your take is now. A bit of time has passed and some of the waters have settled. And, on you know, the Richard obviously has, has helped bring to light some of the, some of the things that's been announced from SteelSeries and whatnot. What's your take? I just want to say that, you know, through this all time, through this whole time, I've still always thought that Richard and Thorne do great work. Like I never had a problem with them, like winning like esports journalist of the year or anything yeah. like, like Thorne has done like great video series and great interviews and some really good ho- hosting on, on Counter-Strike. And so is Richard. And he's done a lot of breaking stories. So like through this whole time, uh, as just, as just a final point, it really wasn't about my work, like about their, their work. Yeah, and I, yeah. I always felt like that was, I did get disrespected and there was a disconnect there from them to me about like, you know, it, my, my work and, and not having to, to, to cross, you know, that, that line. So I, I, what? I always thought they, they still do great, great stuff. That's interesting you pointed that out because really none of, you know, none of this has been at all much talking about the work that each of you guys do. The reason why it's so interesting is because the work that you do to your audiences is obviously very well received. And the curious part is the fact that this is such a long going feud, you know, but with regards to that, it, I think it, that's it, a fair it, point. It's, it's more like uh, esports topics because we all get passionate about all the different things happening in esports. And so because we have opinions about literally everything, um, we end up fighting about stuff, especially in the current like larger i would say political and cultural climate in yeah. especially america and the world which is now directly impacted uh issues of video games and esports and i think it is mixing in and that is only you know expounded the amount of you know fruitful discussions that we are going to have on the internet especially twitter yeah okay anyway so we were on to bully hunters and whatnot. Which, I mean, you know what? There's, you actually spell out some a few things and whatnot, but you've recently come to heads with Richard Lewis on and whatnot. Um, I mean, obviously, there was a recent event with Sadakis, which is obviously clearly still, he's still avoiding or he's still not working, you know, in roles that he would have been, uh, you know, positioned into or at the very least offered had that whole thing not happened and whatnot. And I guess... You know, 280 characters on Twitter can always say so much with regards to your opinion, especially as it's broken down so much. But even before, so, even before the bully hunters things, what what were the key differences between yours and Richard Lewis' thoughts and what on that, what happened? Is it was it was it how he did it, or was it the repercussions that Sadikis faced that were were of issue to you? Uh, I mean, I, I do think it is part of a, and I could totally circle this back. I mean, I've been pretty vocal that, you know you shouldn't say you shouldn't say things that could be racially or sexually insensitive um on your broadcasts and, and on your social media and things that could be homophobic and things that could yeah. you know be uh, misogynistic against women like all of these issues are coming to light now and especially in this professional setting 
I have been pretty staunch on how you should not be doing that. And then we've seen tons of players be fined and players be banned and players be removed and casters be removed and things happen with streamers and, you know, like all these things keep, keep happening. Um, and I've been pretty say he did it outside. He did it obviously without thinking he was on the broadcast, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he was on a stream and I have nothing against Matt. Like I've known him for like a, a long time. I think he's done great as a Counter-Strike broadcaster and I have nothing against his work, and I've always been pretty, pretty cool with him. But of course, I'm going to be vocal against, like, what he did on a streamer as one of the prominent broadcasters in Counter Strike. You just can't do that. There's no excuse um, for do you, do you for, that, you, for that conduct. Do, on. do you do you think you're you weighing in with the weight of your influence behind it is necessary, given that? saying the n-word on broadcast is ultimately going to be self-inflicted punishment based on the audience he already has does it need to be stomped does it need to be kicked while he's down do you think what what is the reason that you actually went out there and and pushed more weight behind it well i have said it before about like pewdiepie uh and other people i mean richard's point was that i didn't say it about ninja and that he he is he's right i probably i should have also condemned ninja the same way if i want to be fair in a unilateral um sense of things but i have been i really have been trying to be more active in terms of being vocal against this behavior in terms of matchmaking and pro players um saying this on stream and pro players doing this uh, in the league and then broadcasters saying on stream so i've been try i've tried to be pretty fair in terms of so, type of thinking I, I, sorry chris just on one more point on that you know as a journalist is it not a danger of you setting a precedent if you're to X magnitude, heart, you know, you, you condemn Sedicus to X degree. Do you not set a precedent as a journalist over, you know, in case you risk obviously a backlash from someone like Richard Lewis, say you don't, you don't, you don't then condemn Ninja to the same extent, you know, do you know what I mean? Because obviously if you set that precedent that you have to come as hard to some degree on one specific subject, such as the N word, and you don't do it at all, or to a lesser degree with Ninja, is that noticeable? Is that going to end up as a backlash on you? Is that a risk that you set as a president? Uh, it's you can't very, cover everything, have you, ultimately? It, it, no, it, it is true. Uh, it is possible. I do think, like, the situation in terms of, like, the context of what happened and, and like, the severity of it, how big of the figure of the person it is, like, what exactly did this person do? Of course, like, the, the bigger the figure it is, I think there's more of a... I don't know if there's, like there's like more of a right to speak up when like a, a, a larger personality does it or when like a small person, it feels like a person in power, there, there's more of an inherent kind of right to talk about that because they are the one in power. And that if you're going to speak up against anyone, that would be the person to do it. But it is true that of course, if you're trying to do everyone, you're going to miss some people along the way. You, you can't, you know, give this type of opinion on, on everything. So I think it's fair to, to hear that out. Speaking of Ninja, would you say that his and Sadikis uh, situations are, are as comparable and deserve to be condemned to the same degree? No. No, they don't. Uh, Ninja was... Okay, well, one, I mean, yeah, it's different with the hard R and the A at the end. Well, it I, is, to add to Chris's it, point, let's just ask the question right now. Do you think there's anything wrong with saying the N-word in lyrics? Um... If you were at like, a, if you were I, a gig, you know, a festival. Okay. A lot of, <laughs> like, my thinking about how, about this, and it is true. Like, I, okay, as Thorin used that screenshot, like, I, I did, like, post it in our private 
work work chat and that I admitted right now that that is wrong and that, that I shouldn't have done that. And I don't say it anymore in any any context, even even though even with like that kind of context where it's more like a friendly, um, you know, with, with other people. Like I, because for me, and especially as like how I try to have evolved on this issue and a lot of my cultural issues, like is listening to everybody and listening to what people tell me is their experiences. So when black people tell me that no, I shouldn't fucking do it, <laughs> I just shouldn't, like in general, because it ain't, it's not for me. And, and like all these different contexts, including it being in a song, uh, just, just get over it. Like, is 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 the general thing that that I've heard, especially as someone who didn't grow up with like. Of course, I I like hip hop. I like fucking rap. I I, I listen to that music, um, but it's like not like my culture. Well, it's like 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 so like so to speak. Even if I did grow up with it and I listened for a long time, like. What do you mean by not your culture, though? Because obviously, rapping bodies nothing to do with history, but everything. Well, I, I guess, like personally, I'm more of a metal guy. That was more of my right. scene. Okay, I see what um, you mean. I see. I, yeah, like that was like my hardcore scene. I was into death and black metal. Like that was like my culture, like so to speak, growing up. So like hip hop wasn't like mine. I, I didn't like grow up like in that scene to even feel like a deeper connection like to maybe that. So I'm just another guy. How most people are, and most black people tell me not to do it. So even if in terms of a song. Probably not. No, probably not. <laughs> I mean, of course, like everyone thinks differently about this, and a lot of people don't give a shit. I, I, I understand a ton of people do not care about this at all, and they do not think that this is a big deal, and that it's truly nothing to get worked up over or to talk about that. And I understand that a lot of people feel feel this way, but I then hear, you know, the opposite, especially with issue for for our for race and for sex. I, on issues of women, I usually just listen to women tell me things that are going on with them. Of course, they differ all in opinion, just like all, all people, right? Uh, but I, I end up hearing a lot of the same things over and over, so I try to take that in, and this would be one of them. So songs, no, probably not. So going back to the whole thing with Richard Lewis and Sedekist, um, do you think that Richard was perhaps more sympathetic to, uh, you know, his his issues because they were colleagues because they were friends and do you think that if it was somebody else who perhaps was a caster from another scene take the fighting game community oh, for example Richard like would have been quicker to condemn them yes I do um, at the same time I do understand that they actually are pretty good friends well actually I don't really know the total relationship between Richard and Matt and Thorne and Matt, for example, but I would assume that they're all really good friends because the CS broadcasting team is a pretty tight knit group. Yeah. From, from what, from all things that I hear. Um, so they are friends. So I do understand that they would not want to put him on blast in public and that they'd rather talk to him mm. in private. It, it's not like I totally don't get that line of thinking and that, you know, it's not, it's not solely because, they they're not doing it because they're in the same industry but they actually are friends and that he would rather not add public fuel to the fire so i i mean i i get it if it, if it was happening to one of my personal friends like dj wheat or you know something would i do the same i can't say that i that i totally would maybe i would you know go privately and and talk to him so i i 
I can I can get it. I, I do think that that in general, my bigger issue and in general is that the almost all of the CSGO broadcasters and including some of the people that we've talked about, the only thing they would do was either not defend Sadakis and what he did, and, and all of them pretty much said it was it was wrong for, for him to do. Um, but they did point out more of like the conflict of other people not denouncing Ninja, for example, or, or other people. Uh, and 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 more of you know the context of, of the situation where he was drunk and he he was just kind of he was he he wasn't thinking clearly which which uh, you know it's a it's a it's I under I understand and that it was just a kind of situation that happened rather than like explaining what happened and that how this is not good and even in the context of CS:GO for me like I feel like this issue is a bigger problem for the community than any other game maybe call of duty is actually right there call of duty uh and counter-strike has the most problems with like people going into your game and shouting the n-word at least for me i have five thousand hours of counter-strike matchmaking and i have heard it in more in counter-strike than any other game i've ever played in my whole life so on those grounds is it the most toxic you would say within that context compared to any other um, I mean, all all the competitive online competitive video games have a toxic individuals and communities. Uh, it's just that some are better than ever. CSGO match me. I mean, this is part of the reason also why Face It and ESCA exist is that you are on these platforms to not deal with dipshits. Yeah. Fucking matchmaking. Yeah. So I, I totally, I totally get that. Um, but yeah, I think CSGO and Call of Duty also is actually pretty freaking bad. I mean, there's a reason why like 12 year olds on Xbox is a meme for for talking shit and saying slurs to you. It's pretty similar in terms of CSGO. Now, it's not directly related to Sadakist, like, at all. Like, nothing the fan, nothing the players do is related. Yeah. But I felt like this was a good opportunity for the CSGO broadcast team, especially, like, in this situation, to talk more about the larger issues of, you know, like, some of this behavior even within their own game which i think is kind of prominent within the community um and not only did that not happen but the none of this discussion not even like a baseline i thought of a discussion happened at all about about everything it was more like me voicing my opinions and then you had like you know games journalists and media which nobody like i don't i don't love these guys either so you have like you know the polygons and the katakus yeah that are writing about it of course someone wants to listen to their opinions um, even though i thought their opinions were okay uh, on this anyway uh, so for me it was more frustrating to not see you know our, the, our own ecosystem take this more seriously like i understand that they want to help matt and I think they've done a great job on that, being a very good friend for him. And probably, and I hope he comes back, by the way. I, yeah. I think he was a great broadcaster, and I want to see him back. I want to see Sazedekis casting again. I think he's one of the very best in Counter-Strike, and he's done a very good um, uh, job at that. And I don't hold you know, anything uh, against him. I think we all make mistakes, and we all do things, and people should <laughs> forgive and forget. Unless we're killing, we're actually doing illegal things then that that's a little bit more of an issue. People don't have to forgive if you want to do illegal stuff. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I definitely want to see him back and, and, and doing things. But I would have liked to see more 
people stand up more for you know social issues yeah. regarding regarding that and a lot of the things that have happened in competitive gaming recently i wish more people would stand up and talk because i don't think that that's happened a whole yeah. lot i mean this this is a frequent thing i mean we could name so many examples where the pro players themselves have been the biggest letdown when it comes to um you know voicing their support against or for something that required uh, you know some some vocal support from the biggest people in the scene which are obviously the players and whatnot i think this is going to be an ongoing thing for quite a lot of time i guess it's the degree into which the backlash is whether someone should be punished and forced out of a scene because it just got too much and the the, the voice against them snowballed or whatnot or if a few individuals have an agenda against that that person that's i guess where it gets becomes a little bit of a gray area and whatnot but otherwise i think we would on the most point I agree we um we, we loosely touched on before bully hunters um and you also talked about you know women and taking their opinion hearing their opinion obviously that was the kind of the whole thing behind that perhaps us as three men are, are not in the best position to talk about this but do you think that kind of cause is worthy to a degree and it was just poorly executed it, i mean i've made my own opinion pretty clear on this that this in no way even with the promotion of the thing existing, and now that a lot of people know what Billy Hunters is, did anything to progress the discussion or the stoppage of harassment of women in online competitive gaming. Like, it will do absolutely nothing except for be a punchline for people to use in all of their jokes for, for, for anything regarding yeah. this issue. I mean... How with with your years of experience in esports, how much would you think that you know is covered in terms of stats about women competing and that kind of thing is true? Uh, which just so, talking about here. So, for example, from our experience, um, you know what is reported the the, the interest in women and the amount of uh, women that are in competitive gaming is a lot lower from our own stats than is generally reported to be the kind of the overall interest. I mean, you always have to go to an event. Though. I mean, you take something like Overwatch and fine, there's obviously been a larger proportion of women compared to other games perhaps getting involved, not necessarily directly into the esports element, I would say. I guess it's, you also have to, to define when someone is an esports fan, um, you know, or whether watching a stream for one second now all of a sudden constitutes that woman to be an esports enthusiast. Chris's point ultimately is that we believe that we, we've, we have come... We have, based on our, our, our larger subjective experience and based on the data that we have, which does not represent the whole market, it seems that it's often overplayed the amount of women involved in esports, irrespective of whether it's growing or not. Is that, yeah, and does that match your experience? Okay, so I do think it, it depends if you're talking, like, what your definition of within esports is for you. Okay, I, what I've seen more is, like, the, the, the charts and percentages put out by... Uh, the few different reports put up by like Newzu, Super or, Data, and all that, right? Yeah. Um, or Super Data and whatnot, and I do think that those are pretty liberal with their percentages of women. It it cannot be that high as as they put it. Um, but I also do think, like uh, to the point, they for them it could just be anyone that tunes into a stream. Yeah, yeah. Um, like they have a they have a few different criteria of what esports is considered and theirs is even more broad so yeah. they can make the overall esports audience as large as they want that's why for them they have like two billion people or whatever watching esports worldwide or whatever it is which is impossible um as we know but uh but so, so i do think they're the numbers aren't just inflated like women or men but like the all numbers are inflated and then also 
the women to men ratio is inflated some for uh, for these. But I will say I will say uh, two things though is that one, uh, there are markets, especially including China, which have been the most ambiguous in terms of being interpret to interpret numbers in esports because of how many people are over there and all this different type of viewership breaking records that we've heard for League of Legends and for Dota, specifically based on how many people are watching over there. For what for what we are told, there's more people watching in China for the World Championships of Dota and League of Legends than there are total for everyone else in the world. And this has been confirmed at least by Valve and by Riot whenever they do their press releases every year for the World Championship and for the International. So they are giving validity to these absurd numbers in China. So if they are real, and this has always been one of the things that we are talking about, which I'm going to have to think think that these companies vetted more than that I did, especially someone like Riot, who's owned by Tencent, um, then, you know, maybe these numbers really aren't so far off uh, yeah. in terms of total, total players. And additionally, women are at least 50% of the audience in yeah. China. And they are a huge part of the esports ecosystem and, and also in Korea and the, a lot of the, the Asian countries. So, Maybe that if they if they are including like these numbers, especially the, from very important esports regions like China and Korea, the women to men gap isn't actually that far off from what it is being reported. Maybe we are seeing a difference in NA and EU and with certain games. Um, I actually thought would think Call of Duty would have a little bit more of a a women's presence, especially from seeing like the American Call of Duty scene. There are there are some players and like personalities more than other uh, other games. I do think there's also games that are helping bring this in more, especially like Overwatch has done a pretty good job in terms of like a female fan base and female players. And even Battle Royale has been able to bring in still more, more even more casual people from the outside, some of which are going to be women. So I actually think, yes, it's misconstrued, but maybe not that far off. Maybe not that far off. It's only, I think we see it more male heavily do dominated in certain communities, especially FPS, personally. I think FPS definitely is a more, feels, it seems like a more male, even though Counter-Strike has a really solid women's yeah, best. tournament yeah. scene. It has the best women's tournament scene of any esport game. Yeah. Uh, that might be due to due to history because Counter Strike's been around for a while. It, I don't know. I actually don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. You okay. Okay. Listen, Rod. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been very interesting to hear your thoughts on a range of subjects, and good to know the the update on the uh, the, the soap <laughs> opera between you, Richard, and uh, and Foreign. Obviously, we're just well. Gonna a final question on that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we've seen a bit of a thing on YouTube with uh, different YouTubers wanting to have a boxing match. Would you be interested in, in appearing on the uh, KSI <laughs> and uh, Logan Paul undercard? You versus Foreign, or maybe even a tag team match you can pick someone to fight with. <laughs> I mean, I, I, would, I would do it. He probably has some good weight <laughs> on me. My ankle's also totally fucked up now. I actually have no idea how long this is going to take to... You're not actually fighting me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> hey, no. Look, I ain't a bitch. All right? I would fight. I'm from New York. You wanna, they want to throw hands. I would fight Thorin for sure. I, I would do that. So, um, well, let's, hey, I, I, I was more esports. I challenged him to a Counter Strike match. Um, and then Scoots challenged us to a debate. He bitched out on both. 
So I don't know if we're going to get any of the three. Okay. The last one sounds very interesting. Okay. So anyway, we're going to end with a quick buy round. So uh, I'll ask free. Chris can ask free if he wants to. So best friend in esports. For you. DJ Wheat. Okay. Most influential person positively on you in esports. Influential person positively in esports. You say that as if negatively you would you would know someone <laughs> straight away. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, fu- funnily enough, I was going to say, what what one person would you banish from esports? Who? <laughs> what one person? Quick, quick fire, mate. <laughs> worry quick, about quick the fire. Worry about Who comes to mind straight away. Yeah. Um. Um. <laughs> Nate Nanzer. Okay, why? Quick fire. No, uh, no, quick, quick fire. That's let's, right. let's, let's just see what happens. <laughs> okay, and also, sure. job you'd like to have most if you weren't operating in esports? I want to I wanna go back to black metal. Black metal. Uh, I was going to say, a g- game you enjoy competing on the most? Quake. And finally, what's the best event you've ever been a part of? Oh, you've ever attended, you've worked at whatever. Mm. That if you, you know, you'd look back in 20 years' time, tell your grandkids that you were at that event and how great it was. I don't know why that'd be 20 years' time. It could be a lot longer uh, than that. <laughs> best event of all time, and you want a quick fire on the best event of all fucking time. The best uh, event I, you've ever been a part of, yeah. Uh, fuck. Um. <laughs> Um, hmm. BlizzCon 2011. Okay, interesting. Right, Rod, it's been a pleasure. Chris, this has been brought to you by Rivalry.gg, of course. Looking forward to seeing more of your work in the future, Rod. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you.